0: Roland Martin unfiltered on YouTube for March, March 10th, 2021, $1.9 trillion COVID bill passed. now headed to Biden's desk to be signed. House Democrats also approved the PRO Act which would protect workers who want to form a union. Marsha Fudge confirmed and will lead HUD. Merrick Garland Confirmed as next, Attorney General. African American Mayor's Association Addresses Pandemic Recovery. Tom Joyner Talks COVID Vaccine and Black America. Representative Stacy Plaskett rips a Republican congressman for his comments about BLM, Black Lives Matter, BLM. Desmond Mead has been denied pardon, Roland S. Martin Scholarship established at, correction, for students at Jack Yates High School in Houston. Elementary school teacher forced a five-year-old boy to clean feces out of a toilet. And the show will begin in about one and a half minutes. It's Roland Martin unfiltered. Daily Digital Show streaming on YouTube and all social media platforms. Be well. Enjoy. It's now eleven fifty pm on the California coast where we have been inundated with rain. the last 24 hours, lightning, thunder, mudslides, just the usual, typical Southern California weather. (laughs) No big thing, (laughs) except some people have had to evacuate their homes, so that's not good for them. And we'll be listening to Roland Martin and his guests. The Wednesday night panel is usually very lively, as I recall. A few attorneys, a law law professor from Howard University, and a financial expert, and n- another lady that has her own podcast, if I recall, that's their Wednesday Today's night. Wednesday, March 10th, 2021, coming up
1: on Roland Martin Unfiltered, the house passes the nearly two trillion dollar COVID-19 relief package today is headed to President Joe Biden's desk to be signed. House Democrats also approved the PRO Act, which would protect workers who want to form a union. We'll talk with Lee Saunders, president of the AFSCME. Two major confirmations today, Marsha Fudge will lead HUD, and Merrick Garland is the new attorney general, both approved by the United States Senate. And the interim president of the uh, African American Mayor's Association, Karen Weaver, the former mayor of Flint, Michigan, joins us to talk about what mayors need to recover from the pandemic. Also, we're talking coronavirus with Tom Joyner. Plus, Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett of Virgin, of Virgin Islands goes off on a Republican about his remarks regarding Black Lives Matter in that COVID-19 uh, uh, debate. Plus, uh, Florida Rights Restoration founder Desmond Meade denied again for a pardon in Florida. He will join us. Plus, I'll talk about a scholarship I'm establishing at my high school in Houston, Jack Kids High School, and we'll talk with the superintendent of HISD. Dr. Granita Latham. Also, folks, a crazy-ass elementary school teacher forces a five-year-old to clean feces out of a toilet with his bare hands. Crazy. <sighs> it's time to bring the funk of a roller Martin unfiltered. Let's go. <sighs> he's got it.
2: Whatever
0: the piss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's
3: You've probably heard of REM sleep. REM sleep is the third phase of sleep. It actually is
1: the sleep where we get those vivid dreams. It improves. Martin! All right, folks. House Democrats approved a significant expansion of labor rights with the protecting the right to organize, or called the PRO Act. It would protect workers who want to form a union from retaliation or firing, strengthen the government's power to punish employers, violate workers' rights and outlaw mandatory meetings that employers often use to try to squash an organizing drive. It would also make it harder for companies like Uber and Lyft to classify workers as independent contractors. The measure is, of course, opposed by Republicans. Uh, They have not supported uh, anything, frankly, uh, that the Democrats have put forth. Uh, This is all about the American worker. But here's what's interesting about that. I thought Republicans said that they were the party of the uh, working class hmm, that's sort of uh, wrong my panel is A. Scott Bolton, former chair of National Bar Association Political Action Committee Our Patillo, executive director of Rainbow Push Coalition Peach Tree Street Project Monique Presley, legal analyst and crisis manager uh, in a moment we'll be talking with Lee Saunders who's the president uh, of AFSCME uh, the American Federation of State County Municipal Employees so folks let me know when we have Lee on the show uh, this is a huge huge uh, bill uh, Robert, because, again, you have President Joe Biden who came out strongly in support of this, pushing uh, what this would mean for labor uh, uh, organiz- labor unions. You see what's happening uh, in Besame, Alabama where you have uh, Amazon workers trying to unionize there as well. And this is a moment where if you're Democrats, you're how are you going to reward, frankly, your biggest constituency, the folks who pour millions into campaigns every year? This is going to put pressure. Uh, on those Democrats in the Senate to actually break the filibuster to pass this.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely correct, and I, I think what we're saying is as we are having this debate about the $15 an hour minimum wage, well, that wouldn't be as pressing if we actually had labor and organizing rights in this country so workers could collectively bargain for better wages. What if you could unionize McDonald's workers? What if you could unionize uh, Walmart workers? Then the federal government would not step in. And it's interesting to me that the Republicans who at CPAC decide to try to cast themselves as party of the working class, the party of, as Ted Cruz said, truck drivers and people who work with their hands are still opposing every effort to increase wages, to increase uh, negotiating power, to increase health care benefits and pensions Uh, that really built the middle class in this country. And we have to understand that people need to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to legislating and push through legislation that will help give workers more rights vis-à-vis these multinational corporations who currently control everything in our political system. I I really did crack up, Monique, when I
1: heard Republicans uh, throw out, we're the party of the working class. I'm sorry, which part of the Chamber of Commerce uh, put their money behind the GOP and not the Democrats? And this, to me, is where if you're a Democrat, your response should be, you're out of your damn mind, and we're going to show you how you're not the party of the working class. And they've been shown,
2: uh, the country has been shown that that's not their party. They just are homeless and in an identity crisis and trying to find some place to land where they can stand for something or anything at this time other than the former president. And and he stood for nothing. He was, you know, just an amoral um, lunatic. So... They have no place to be, and they're grasping at straws. But it's quite obvious from the history of the parties, if you're looking at at least the past 75 years, uh, that that is not who they are. And saying it out their mouths won't make it true now. But,
1: Scott, um, they are correct in terms of what they've been able to do. But they're, they've been appealing to the, to the white working class for a different reason. They've been pushing their buttons on immigration. they pushed their buttons on NAFTA. they pushed their buttons on race. And so the problem is when you have folks in the media who don't know how to make a distinction, when they talk about the working-class voter, those working-class voters are not voting on working-class issues, economic issues. They're voting on race. They're voting on cultural issues. They're voting on those type of things.
5: And, and, and they're
1: voting on the big lie.
5: And they're listening to white Republicans who don't have their best interests at heart. But they're angry voters. They're angry because they believe that they're losing their country. They believe in they're losing it to immigration. They believe that they're losing it by 2043. And so, this is the bigger lie, if you will. Uh, there are they get mad about entitlement. You and I both know the top ten states who get the greatest entitlements from the government. Our ten uh, our ten red states in the south and so it's always interesting how do you how do you convince all white working Americans that the Democratic Party is a better party for them and that they they they're, they're speaking the Democrats are speaking to them just not special interest groups or people of color uh, how do you do that because the Republicans keep convincing them to be mad about Those race and color issues, right? But the reality is that the Republicans are killing those white working class voters on the economy with their policies. It's going to be a big challenge uh, for the Democrats to do that. Maybe it doesn't get done. But that's the greatest, that's the bigger lie, if
1: you will, if you're not in the presidential race. Joining us right now is Lee Saunders. He's the president of the American Federation of State Council, state. County municipal employees. Lee, glad to have you uh, here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, We certainly appreciate uh, Ask Me being one of the supporters of this show since the beginning. It passed the House. You had several Republicans who voted for it, but most of them didn't. Now it goes to the Senate. The problem that we're now facing is that it's 50 50. The question is how do you and others in the labor movement get Democrats, especially a Senator Joe Manchin, a Kristen Sienema, Uh, to stay with Democrats and break the filibuster to pass this
6: because you're look ain't gonna be 10 Republican senators it's not gonna happen well let me just say this too and uh we've had some major successes uh since President Biden has uh has taken office uh we've got the rescue plan that's going to be signed uh, by Biden it passed uh, the House today it passed the Senate over the weekend that impacts and affects our communities across the country It affects working people It provides additional money to state and local governments. Uh, It helps us as far as providing extended unemployment insurance, direct payments, uh, free health insurance for those who are unemployed. The federal government picks that up. So we are doing the kinds of things that are necessary to attract, once again, the working class. But just, we've got to remember this also. Uh, Those who want to be organized into unions, more and more it is people of color, and it's women. And we've got to prove the fact that there is a benefit to become a union member. There's a benefit because you have a seat at the table. There's a benefit because you can talk about wages and working conditions. There's a benefit because you can talk about safety and health issues. And that's where we're moving toward. We've had some major successes since uh, Biden has become president. We've just got to keep that momentum up. And I'm convinced that we'll be able to flip some of those white working class voters because that directly impacts these improvements directly impact on their pocketbooks. We're going to have to talk to them. We're going to have to educate them. Uh, we're going to have to uh, you know, talk to them every single day. But I think that we can change some of their minds to understand that the Democrats are standing for their issues. They're standing to support working people all across the country. And we're off to a great Start. But
1: this passed the House. It still has to pass the Senate and then get signed into law by President Joe Biden. Uh, what are y'all going to do to put the level of pressure on Democrats to stay and hold the majority for it to pass the Senate? That's going to require breaking the filibuster if
6: you can't pick up 10 Republicans. Well, that's that's a possibility. But right now, what we're going to do, Roland, is we're going to do what we do best, and that's organizing and mobilizing uh, our members in our communities across the country and say now is the time. Now is the time for working families to have the ability to improve their lives, the lives of their families, the lives of their and, and their communities all across the country. So we're going to put heat on those Democrats uh, that uh, uh, may not want to do this. And we're going to talk to them about the importance of doing this, giving us that seat at the table. And if in fact we're successful in doing that and hopefully we will be, We are going to have to grapple with the issue of the filibuster. Uh, Right now, I believe it's too early. Personally, it's too early to deal with getting rid of the filibuster. We want to make sure, and we want to put enough pressure on these folks to make them uh, so they make a decision. Once that decision is made and they're making the wrong decision, then I really seriously believe that we've got to look at, uh, uh, at getting rid of the filibuster if, in fact, we can't change minds. I think that it's a process that we've got to go through, but I don't think that we take that weapon out of our arsenal. So where, so
1: wh- wh- so who are those 10? So okay fine. Uh, 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 Toomey, Pennsylvania, okay? A significant labor there in Pennsylvania. Johnson in uh, Wisconsin who's been of course just just all about Trump, Trump, Trump uh, for the last uh, for the last uh, four years. <coughs> you have uh, uh, what do you potentially have uh, Barr and Tillis in North Carolina, Portman in Ohio? Um, you know, where are you targeting, uh, you know, you know what are, who are the 10 votes you're targeting um, to try to get this passed in the Senate? Well, first we're going to target those uh, Democrats
6: and educate them about the importance of the PRO Act. And following the PRO Act, and I just I want to say this, there's going to be uh, public service workers not covered uh, under private sector labor law. So we're going to be pushing a public sector act as well. It's in committee, Bobby Scott's committee right now. So we're going to uh, work those Democrats, and we're going to have our members in those Republican districts who understand the value of having collective bargaining to be represented by a union, have them work those Republicans. And if, in fact, we put enough pressure on them, we'll see what they do. I mean, there are no guarantees, but we will put pressure on them so they understand that this is a worker issue. 65% 65% of Americans believe that unions are absolutely necessary in this country for a counterbalance against corporate power, and we've got to make that argument. But if, in fact, people still stand in the way, and these Republicans continue to stand in the way, I think that we've got to take a serious look at eliminating the filibuster. But it's not time to do that right now. We want to go through the process and try to educate these folks and switch and change their minds. But uh, we're serious about this. This is our time. President Biden has talked about supporting working families. If you saw that video that he did last week, talking about the importance of unions and having uh, the ability to organize and not having the boss get in their way and having fair elections, that was a very, very strong statement. And so we want to continue to move on those kinds of statements and move this legislation and we're going to see what happens.
1: Um, when you hear Republicans say that they, they are the part of the working class voters, your response?
6: Well, you know, I, I don't want to laugh at that, uh, at that statement, but uh, it's just simply it's simply not true. And uh, that's why it's important for us to educate, uh, educate our members and educate uh, uh, citizens across the country about the value of unions. And Republicans aren't supporting union. I mean, let's face it, most Republicans don't. Some do, but most don't. In the public sector, we've been under attack, as you know, Ronald, we've talked about this, where they've taken collective bargaining away from us. In the public sector, we have a right-to-work environment because of the Supreme Court decision. So we want to regain the foothold, okay? And the people that support us right now are the House Democrats uh, who passed the legislation today, and it's going to go to the Senate, and we're going to put some heat and pressure on those senators, and then we're going to... We're gonna see what we need to do to get this passed because this is vital to continue the improvements that President Biden is committed to do. All right, Lee Sanders, President me. We really appreciate it, thanks a
1: lot. Thank you. All right, go back to my panel here. Uh, it's look, it's, it's, it is gonna be an uphill battle. I, I, I don't see, Robert, where Republicans are gonna vote for, with Democrats on anything. You know what, I, I just don't. Maybe we're talking about the infrastructure bill. I, look, they ain't vote. they didn't vote for them on the COVID bill. They're not going to support them on on, H.R. 1, the voting bill. Uh, Hell, Senator Mike Lee was on Fox News talking about uh, the devil wrote this bill. (laughs) They're not going to be with them on the George Floyd Justice Act. Uh, They sure as hell don't support labor. Uh, And so this is going to be the moment where I think labor unions are going to have to look Democrats in the eye and say, we put millions of dollars
4: into your campaigns every single damn year. It's time for your ads to deliver. (laughs) <laughs> You're correct, and uh, and it's interesting on this conversation about whether how do you get ten Republicans across the line uh, to break a filibuster? There's a quote from Kierkegaard where he says, uh, "Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward." Uh, the, the point <laughs> being that. Look, you can't sit around and wait for these magical ten Republicans to show up. We've been waiting for Susan Collins to change her mind for the entirety of the Trump administration. We've been waiting for Murkowski, we've been waiting for many of these other quote-unquote moderate and centrist Republicans, but the truth is most of them are deep into the pocket of special interest groups, the union-busting groups, the people who have no interest at all, and workers having a seat at the table and providing universal health care, providing pension, providing uh, benefits such as uh, uh, child care uh, and all the other benefits union organizing so they're not coming around so instead of uh, uh, petering around the edges and saying that well maybe we can bring them across take some bold action now live life forward uh and try to uh, try to get these things through while you can because guess what in almost every presidential election in the off year you lose seats in the house and in the senate so this is the ephemeral opportunity that democrats have to get things passed if you want it done now you have to eliminate the filibuster and move forward with the agenda because otherwise you'll get Camp down into the swamp, and whatever happens. Uh, my money. I look again. I keep talking about 10. Okay, so
1: sure. Pat Toomey is not running for re election. Uh, Portman uh, in Pennsylvania, Portman in Ohio is not running for re election. Barr in North Carolina is not running for re election. Now you have Blunt in Missouri. He sure as hell ain't even close to Montana. Uh, 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 uh close to uh, no, Blunt is Missouri. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just checking you. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, continue please stay in your lane <laughs> so, so so the thing here about the thing here money that's four you still got to pick up six and again i i i just believe the republicans are are not going to go there and they are go, they are going to force cinema and mansion to have to wake the hell up and just like let I me mean, imagine the other day you said on, on one of those shows sunday shows oh i i forced these changes to, to, to get more support, it got 50. Now, 51, he didn't pick up one damn Republican vote.
2: Right. I mean, but, so I, I guess to me that's politics. Uh, for all of these people who are saying he's the real uh, leader, not Schumer, and he wields all this power, it just didn't turn out that way at all major piece of legislation that, to Robert's point, um, the the president and the Democrats did load onto it an entire health care bill, basically, on top of a Rescue Act, because they know that time is of the essence and that whatever is going to get done for us, the American people, is going to get done without... GOP. So I just would urge people to understand the difference between, um, day and understand that all of this happened in spite of the grand old party, not because of it.
1: And look, uh, speaking of that, that COVID relief bill, $2 trillion uh, was passed uh, by the House today. Of course, it now goes to the desk of President Joe Biden to sign. Folks, the the, the, the the real issue, first of all, this is what happened today on the House floor. On this vote, the yeas are
7: 220, the nays are 211. Motion is adopted.
8: Objection, of motion.
7: Without objection, motion. To reconsider is laid upon the
1: table. Uh, you had lots of drama, of course, on the floor today uh, with that bill, including Republicans having the audacity to try to challenge. Uh, black folks are on the issue of the family. Uh, check out this uh, this uh, exchange. Where Congresswoman Stacey Plaskett, let's just say uh, she had uh, to let all of her uh, Virgin Islands and being a Delta and everything else come out in uh, trying to smack this white
7: Republican. Mr. Speaker, and I hope my colleague from Wisconsin will not leave at this time as he's talked about Black Lives Matter. How dare you, how dare you say that Black Lives Matter? Black people do not understand old fashioned families. Despite some of the the issues, some of the things that you have put forward that I've heard out of your mouth in the oversight committee, in your own district, we have been able to keep our families alive for over 400 years and the assault on our families to not have black lives or not even have black families. How dare you say that we are not interested in families in the black community? That is outrageous, that should be stricken down. I was gonna talk about the American Rescue Plan. We know that this is gonna provide relief to not only black lives, black Americans, but all Americans, that we are interested in children and in their welfare, and at this time I yield back.
8: Bruce would never say
9: flavors. So
1: we'll just leave this right here. Mm, the thing here, Scott, uh, is that uh, Democrats must be to me. very forceful on this. We're now here in the White House. Uh, President Biden is going to give a prime time, prime time address dealing with COVID tomorrow. Then you know, he's going to sign the bill on Friday. and then he's going to start traveling around the country. Uh, looks like they learned their lesson uh, from the screw-up with President Barack Obama uh, when he didn't do those things with the stimulus bill and allow Republicans to control the narrative and, and set that whole deal up as a failure. They realize you better control the narrative yourself and tell your own story, or somebody else will.
5: Well, got yeah, 1.9 trillion meat reasons why to control your own narrative. You better get out there, because remember, 2022 is coming Got open seats, at least five on the Senate side. And I gotta tell you, this is a huge bill, a necessary bill. And what Biden and the other Democrats who are running in in all over this country in two years have got to hold the Republicans accountable. Those who voted against it, as 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 struggling as our families and economies are in this country, you've got to hold those Republicans accountable and make them explain in every state in every district why they voted against COVID relief it will not be sustainable it is not defensible and they ought to hold them accountable in 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 every election
1: coming in 2022 but you can't hold somebody accountable robert if you don't explain to the people what they voted against you can't just focus on the 1.9 trillion dollar piece you got to say this is how much money we put in for K-12 education. This is what we put in for pensions. This is what we put in for police and for firefighters. This is what we put in for this and this and this and this. and This This is a quote from a political story that I think is, is, is important. Congressman Jim Clyburn, there are a lot of people who use the term victory lap in a derogatory way. I've already heard people say that Biden is about to take a victory lap. Well, that's a lot of crap. He said one of the, if not the biggest mistakes that Obama made, in my opinion, was getting the recovery act done and not explaining to people that he had done. I think that was his second biggest one. The biggest group to me was the Mayor Garland pick. Uh, but again, this Robert is where uh, you got to sell it. You got in the words of my man Joe Madison, you gotta put it where the goats can get it. You gotta make it plain where where you don't allow your opposition to say, oh, all you did was just give a blank check and you're running up the federal debt. Well, well, look, I think Democrats have to understand it's time to stop being afraid of the big, big bad monster that is the Republican Party and conservatism.
4: <laughs> because it doesn't exist. It's a paper tiger. They're thinking about the re- Republican Party of Reagan in the 80s. Understand that Right. Uh, a survey was recently done that said 34% of the people in this country identify as independents. 33% identify as Democrats. 29% of people, only 29% of people identify as being Republicans in America. And that went up after they were able to bring over the MAGA party and those individuals to join in so about a quarter of this country are actually republicans on by the numbers if you are going to be 20 in 2024 for the next presidential election you have never seen a republican win the popular vote the last time a republican won the popular vote was in 2004. the republicans represent 40 million fewer people in the United States Senate than the Democrats do, even though it's a 50-50 split. You have 15 Republicans who represent about 38 million people. Meanwhile, you have two Democratic senators from California who represent 40 million people. So the Republican Party is a dead and dying brand, which is frankly a third party in this country at this point, who cannot pass legislation, who cannot push through justices, who cannot govern or create a governing majority. So the idea that you have to be afraid of them or compromise with them or somehow cower and let their ideas overwhelm the, uh overwhelm your agenda is ridiculous do the victory lap do a parade be on prime time do all the late night shows <laughs> make sure the american people understand that you are doing what they uh what they have pushed you to do because looking forward what policy do republicans have that somebody 18 to 24 would be supportive of they're anti uh, uh, anti diversity, anti police reform, anti climate change, anti tuition reform, anti minimum wage. So govern as if you are the party that the majority of the American people believe in, and that is how you win elections going forward. Not by being timid and uh, cowering and compromising and hiding behind and being afraid of someone saying that you are uh, that you're spending up all the money. I need you, uh, Roland. Do you remember Huey Long, the uh, former governor of, governor of Louisiana? Yeah, I need Joe Biden to be Huey Long right now. Get out there and push the agenda and make sure the American people see what you are doing and that you are fighting for what they put you in office for. Here you long, who said, we're going to put a chicken in every pot. <laughs> I mean, that's
1: kind of basic how he did it. It's also going to take uh, them working with mayors across the country. <laughs> Joining us right now is Karen Weaver, the former mayor of Flint, Michigan, who's now the interim executive director of the African American Mayors Association. Uh, on this very issue here, uh, uh, Karen, this is, I mean, this is where the president is going to have to also enlist these mayors. He needs them trumpeting. This happened in our city because of that particular bill. This happened. This happened. Uh, and again, uh, President Obama was, you know, Biden talked about how he was, you know, he was all about humility. No, we don't need to do all of that sort of stuff. But that's how you allow the, the, the other side to frame you. Everybody, other people, they saved Elkhart, Indiana, and hell, them, Republic, them, them white folks there still went Republican where Obama should have been there saying, if it wasn't for me, y'all broke asses wouldn't even be here. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you got got to go ahead and make it plain to the folk uh, who saved your butt.
10: You're exactly right and thank you for having me. You are exactly right. You do have to make it plain and you have to spell it out and let people know what you have done. And mayors are, are a great avenue for making that happen because, you know, it happens locally and, and, and mayors know what's going on. You know, they are the pulse of the city and what is happening and what we need. And so what, what, who, else, who better to work with than mayors? When you want to make things happen, when you need a voice, when you need a platform, when you need someone to trumpet and say what you've been doing and be that microphone, mayors are the ones that can make that happen for you. So you're absolutely right that that Biden needs mayors at the table and mayors saying what is going on and what has happened and why this is important. Speaking of this
1: particular bill, it's really going to help lots of cities who are economically uh, distressed as a result of uh, COVID-19. I'm sure your organization is quite happy about that.
10: We're quite happy about that because that is so many. There's money in there for small businesses. There's money in there for education. There's money in there for childcare. We're talking about getting schools open and opening them up safely. There is money for that. There is money for seniors and the list goes on and on. We're looking at, at health equity. There's money in there for those kinds of things. And we're talking about a pandemic that has disproportionately impacted black and brown people. We have died at higher rates. We have been sicker at higher rates. And so this relief plan is, I mean, we've been waiting for this. And, and when you look at other things, let's talk about tracking this and having access to the vaccine. You know, all of these things are in this uh, in this bill, and so. We need this. You're absolutely right. And this is very important to the African-American Mayors Association. And that's been one of the priorities that we've been working on since this hit. You know, we may have gone virtual, but we haven't stopped the work, and we haven't stopped being a voice and convening African-American mayors and meeting with the White House and talking with Vice President Kamala Harris and saying, here are our list of priorities. Here are the things that we need, and here's how this helps us.
1: Um, And so... um What advice would you give when President uh, Biden starts uh, traveling around the country uh, touting this particular uh, legislation? Because clearly Republicans are saying, oh, they're they're bankrupting us, this is is liberal overreach, this is them uh, with their wish list for all of their big city liberal mayors
10: not a wish list it's a it's a it's a necessary list it's a needs list and it's a needs list for people to live the way people deserve to live you know we're we're talking about the health and well-being of people that's what this is about you know it's about the health and well-being and he needs to talk to mayors uh you know I'm not saying don't meet with governors because you have to meet at the state level but you make sure that things get to the cities, make sure they get to the municipalities and they don't get hung up at the state level and talk to mayors because like I said, we are feet on the ground. You know, we we know the pulse of the people. We know what our communities And we know it better than other elected officials because we live with the people. You know, we're not separated. We go to the grocery store and we see them. We go to church. We see them. We walk down the street. We see the people, and we're living what they're living. And so working with mayors is imperative if you want to be successful.
1: All right. Uh, Karen Weaver, first of all, you're Executive Director um, for the African American Mayor's Association. Uh, What what are y'all plans uh, for uh, the coming year?
10: We have a lot of plans for the coming year. Uh, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're doing things in a virtual manner. But we, like I said, we have not stopped. We have not missed a beat. You know, our priorities, of course, include health. It includes infrastructure. It includes criminal justice. It includes education and pulling mayors together to say, what are the needs? How do we continue to lift and amplify your voices and help you expand your executive capacity for your cities? Uh, those are what our priorities are. Uh, we want to continue to work with our partners at the White House and, and let them know what's going on and how they can be helpful to cities whether we're large cities or small cities. You know, we represent over 500 African-American mayors. I mean, that's a large group of mayors, and, and we're looking to make that even bigger. So, uh, you know, we want to continue to lift the voice and make sure that African-American mayors have access to resource and best practice and are able to, like I said, amplify their voice and, and let people know what we need. I mean, the time is now time is now. We are not going to stop being a voice for African American mayors. We're, We're not going to stop talking about what we need because, you know, we face different challenges. I mean, as mayors, we all face similar challenges, but as an African American mayor, there's an added layer of challenge that we face. I mean, you know that. You know that. And so we're going to continue to make sure we're at the table, that our voices are heard for not just ourselves, but for the people that we represent and, and, and get the resources to our mayors, you know, make sure they have what they need so they can do the best job possible. But like I said, I mean, housing, that's an issue. Health health equity, that's an issue. Criminal justice, infrastructure, uh, those are issues. Economic empowerment, those are the things that we're working on and we're going to continue to work on uh, as the African American Mayor's Association. All right then, Karen. We sure appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank
1: you. All right, folks. Got to go to a break. We come back we'll talk about Marsha Fudge being confirmed as the HUD Secretary, also Merrick Garland, new Attorney General. Later in the show, we'll also uh, talk uh, with Uh, Dr. Green Latham, she is the uh, superintendent for the Houston Independent School District, but she's now moving on to Mississippi. Houston School Board trustee. what the hell were you sorry asses thinking letting her leave? We'll talk about uh, me launching a scholarship at my high school, Jack Case High School, uh, Madison School of Communications. All of that next, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment.
8: A good home shapes nearly every part of our lives. It's where we start and end each day. It's where we raise our families and come together in times of joy. It's where we find shelter and comfort during times of hardship. The past year has reminded us just how important it is to have a safe and stable place to call home. But right now, for millions of Americans, that sense of security and peace of mind is out of reach. Our country has an immense responsibility and a profound opportunity to address the housing crisis facing so many people. To provide relief for those struggling to pay their rent or mortgage as a result of the pandemic. To ensure every American experiencing homelessness has a roof over their head. To revitalize our communities and help more Americans achieve the dream of home ownership, To break down the barriers of injustice that still limit the futures of far too many young people. Every community faces unique challenges that require its own unique solutions. We all want and deserve the same basic things, a safe place to live and an opportunity to succeed with dignity, with grace, and with hope. I'm Marcia Praj and I'm honored to serve as the 18th Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. I am proud to join a group of public servants who work with compassion and determination change the lives of those in need, and I can't wait
1: to get started. Welcome to NFL Top Plays, Titans at the Ravens. Down by five with two tacos left, the Titans throw it short. Now, she initially wanted to be the head of agriculture, but uh, that went to Tom Bilsack, Uh, but she's the first uh, black female to lead HUD in some 40 years. Uh, This is uh, one of those critical nominations, uh, Monique, uh, because when you talk about the housing uh, uh, plans that were put in place or that were totally ignored by Ben Carson, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He he had no clue what the hell he was doing. Uh, And so to have somebody who not only was a member of Congress there from uh, Cleveland, but more importantly, she was a mayor. And so she brings that experience to HUD Secretary. Thank God to have somebody back in charge of housing in this country knows what the hell they're doing in in charge of all of these uh, cabinet posts
2: and that's another thing that hopefully the American people can recognize uh, the difference between the last administration and this one is competence putting people who actually know how to do the jobs who have experience in the area who have a vision that carries our country forward those are the people are in uh, nominated and appointed to these very critical positions by the Biden administration. And that did not happen uh, without the advocacy of black and brown girls uh, and women all over this country in any number of different organizations who fought to have not just people of competence, but people who were representative of us in these offices and former congresswoman fudge is just another example
1: of that um scott to uh again we, we had to deal with the last four years of gross incompetence uh in so many different areas one of them was indeed uh housing and urban development yeah uh
5: you're absolutely right uh Marcia fudge is an incredible elected leader she certainly will be more competent than a predecessor but I do think we got to be pretty honest. You, you all keep talking about her being qualified for the position. Other than being mayor, there's nothing in her political resume that says she has any experience at developing housing for poor people and otherwise. However, that being said, because of her commitment and passion, she has a real opportunity to make a huge difference in the democratic agenda and closing the housing gap and making life better for African-Americans and our rural communities as well. Let's not forget
1: about that. What do you mean, nothing? What first of all, what do you mean, nothing? Does a job. What do you mean, and, nothing in her uh, experience? The, what do you mean, nothing in her experience? The reality is, when well, you're not w- No, no on one, second, one second, you don't no, 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 one second. not one second. She doesn't have any experience in housing development.
5: Okay, hello, hello, hello.
1: First of all, to be. First of all, hold on, First of all, let's, let's be real clear. It's sec- called it a dumping ground. No, 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 no. The Secretary of Housing and Urban forget Development, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development isn't about developing projects. One of the things that I, I excuse me, hold on. Scott, Scott, really Scott, no. Scott. I've covered I've covered city government. One of the roles okay. of a mayor is to deal okay. with the very issue. One second, Scott, one second. One of the issues of being a mayor is to deal with the issue of housing, low income housing, homeless housing, yep. affordable housing, and housing development. That's a part of what you I also understand. do. And so
5: mayor, that doesn't give you the expertise. What are you, you talking about? It, you may over say see it. You may work with developers and work with communities and what have you politically, but you don't have the substantive experience. That's called expertise. What? Well, what the hell like is expertise then? Well, you got somebody you, who's got somebody making a difference. Are you looking, for, you, are you looking for somebody who built houses with a habitat, habitat for humanity? Through leadership, she can make it happen. I hope she makes it happen. But this whole issue of experience, she just doesn't have it, Right.
1: Robert, we're not, looking for, we're not yeah. looking for
4: somebody who works not We're not looking for somebody who built a house <laughs> on the weekend for <laughs> a habitat she for humanity. He didn't want the job. Well, well oh, look, uh, to, to Scott's point, I do, I do think uh, and, uh, more so than uh, Tom Billsack in agriculture, we would like to see you congressman. That's what we need. But she's got
1: experience uh, there. I, I, Scott, uh, will you I, stop talking? <laughs> Robert's talking. <laughs> well, I, I work with black farmers. Rainbow puts throughout the region and working directly with, uh, with the
4: uh, Department of Agriculture. And I think many of the black farmers have shown recalcitrance to the idea of having Bill Sack in office, but I uh, do think they will give an opportunity to show and deliver uh, with regards to uh, our supply, our food chain, our supply chain, uh, with regards to our black farmers and agricultural community. But for Marsha Fudd, beyond the point of she's secretary now, so the time for the argument about qualification or not was a couple weeks ago before we got into the confirmation pro- process. She is facing the greatest challenge uh, in decades for any Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. What we've seen throughout coronavirus is that we've had these deferred evictions um, through city and national programs to prevent people from being evicted. Those are going to end, and people are going to have uh, $5,000, dollars 12000 bills in their names for the rent they haven't paid over the course of a year. Uh, you're going to have a foreclosure crisis uh, at your doorstep the minute that these forbearance programs that banks have been are putting out there and mortgage assistance programs uh, are gone. Uh, we also are facing the gentrification crisis in black communities around the country. You know, right now in Auburn Avenue, Sweet Auburn, you got a, a, a juice shop, a tea shop, and they're about to put a Starbucks there in a historically black neighborhood where much of the civil rights movement were planned, and this is the same story across the country. Just look at Harlem. Just look at other black communities around the country. How do we ensure that we're not displacing black families and black communities in historically black neighborhoods in the name of urban development? And what policies are going to be put in place to ensure that we have a diverse city and not simply the reverse of what they said, uh, Chocolate City and its vanilla suburbs are going to be a vanilla center and then uh, uh, a chocolatey outside areas. So we need have To look at the challenges before her and ensure that we hold everyone accountable, I love the history. I love the, but as I said, we're not going to do what we did with Obama, where we stayed at inauguration for eight years. It's time to make sure we're pulling our seat up to the table to get on that, that agenda from the beginning. And that's why, uh, Monique, the whole point is when you talk
1: about a level of experience, the question is can you manage the department? The reality is this here. Let's say you pick the developer. Well, guess what? The developer ain't got no experience when it comes to public policy when it comes to also driving the agenda, I think the key here is having somebody who is sort of on the federal level in Congress, someone who's been on a local level as well. And so, because one of the issues that I also have with a lot of people who are also members of Congress, they also forget when they are in Congress, how what's happening really uh, in these particular cities. And so one of the things that we're being Carson screwed up is uh, let the cities off the hook uh, when it came to uh, submitting their plans uh, to end, uh, frankly, um, a, a, a racialized housing as well. That, to me, was a big piece there. And so this is going to be trying to, frankly, rebuild a federal housing agency that Republicans have gutted in the last 30, 40 years.
2: Yes. So in case maybe uh, those who are watching right now know the same amount uh, about what HUD does as, colleague Scott. Let me just explain. Uh, the department's mission is to increase home ownership, support community development, and increase access to affordable housing free from discrimination. So the secretary oversees that. This secretary that we have now served on the Committee on Education and Labor, the Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Human Services, right? she so that's community block service grant access to low income home energy assistance programs school lunch child nutrition programs she served on the subcommittee on health employment labor and pensions responsible for many things but including all matters dealing with relationships between employers and employees Including pension, health, other employee benefits. She oversaw the Delinquency Prevention Act and Juvenile Justice, Runway and Homeless Youth Act, matters dealing with child abuse and domestic violence, including and not limited to child abuse prevention and housing security. So um, I, I am offended um, because if you don't know what she did, has been doing, then don't say she's not qualified. Uh, you you, you presume that I don't know any of, of that.
8: She's got member, no
2: executive experience. And that's the only Congress. thing I said. As a she member does. of Congress, she has direct related national experience that is directly addressing the area she is now responsible I for agree execution. With so saying she has no experience is just not accurate.
5: I mean, that's just you know. not true. No executive experience managing a large agency like that and never First having worked in said. that field. You didn't say Politics, executive experience in
2: management. You said she has very well. I'm not a in the area. I don't think that's it's the right, it. right thing, but I hope she does very clean well. Clean it up now if I you want said that. You and say she's not an executive. That but that's not what you said. And you got to clean it up. Truth hurts okay. sometimes, well, but that's reality. Running for president, and a whole bunch of people thought it was a good idea. Not that I was one of them, but I'm not going to say this black woman who has executive function as a mayor and has served leading committees and has served very on livid. committees for years in this exact area is a qualified. we we'll see how she does. does She's but qualified, but very limited. That's has going to be a problem, job, and we need strong
9: leadership.
2: <laughs> All right.
4: Robert, you got anything to add? Uh, No, as as I said, I think we have to be cognizant of the challenges that we have ahead of us. Uh, I I do wish all the secretaries well. I'm one of those people that I root for every administration to do well. I hope the Trump administration has done well. I hope that George W. Bush has done well. Uh, It's as if... uh, uh, you're on a ship. You want the captain to do as, as good as possible because you're on the <laughs> ship with them. And I think we're, as we're looking forward to the challenges facing this administration and the other, uh, as well as any others, this is one of the most challenging transitions that America has had. Mm-hmm. And uh, Secretary Fudd has so. a very big plate ahead of her. Yep, exactly. And also, folks, and I
5: hope she succeeds. <laughs> you done? And I said that before. so I didn't clean up anything.
1: You have to listen to my analysis. It's complicated sometimes, but you gotta to listen to it. Actually, when somebody says it's complicated, it also means <laughs> it's confusing as hell. That's what it means. All right, y'all, and don't forget today also the Senate confirmed 70 30 uh Mayor Garland to be attorney general. All right, gotta go to a break. We come back. We're gonna talk COVID vaccine with Tom Joyner. He's retired, but still got something to say. Uh <laughs> that is next on Robert Martin Lutheran. Your work keeps the community safe. But what
11: keeps you safe at service face unique dangers and we need the right training resources and staffing to stay safe but how do we make sure we have what we need to stay safe on the job we join a union union members negotiate for the resources we need to keep us safe at work and protections if we're injured on the job union members are better trained and better protected job safety that's the union work you do is important. A lot of people depend on you, and you deserve respect. Respect includes making a decent wage that reflects how hard you work for your community. So what's the best way to make sure you get the pay you deserve? Join a union. Union members are paid more than people with similar jobs who aren't in unions. For women and people of color, the union difference is even greater. The respect you deserve, the pay you've earned. That's the union. Public service work hard every day in our communities, and we deserve respect for the work we do. That means a secure retirement with benefits you've earned through years of service and hard work. What's the best way to ensure that when you retire, you'll be ready to enjoy the years ahead? Join a union today. Union members negotiate our contracts, which is why we're more likely to have substantial retirement benefits. A secure retirement.
1: All right, folks, Tom Drone retired at the end of 2019 uh, after 25 years of doing his National syndicated radio show, of course, known for support of HBCUs, uh, and taking a loved one to the Doctor Day Initiative. Now he, of course, is trying to get these black folks to get out there and take this damn COVID vaccine. He joins us right now. Uh, Tom, where are you, where you talking to us from? Uh, Miami, you in the Bahamas, Jamaica, where you at? Best place in the world, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about uh, this COVID-19. There there are these assumptions that black folks don't want to take it. But the reality is, what I've been hearing from doctors all across the country is folks are saying, we don't know where to get the information, you know, where to sign up, where to get it. Yeah,
12: I've heard that. I've heard that, too. I did mine. Um, My hesitation was the long lines, because I got, you know, I got things to do. I can't be. Standing in line all day for a shot, <laughs> and then I might not get the shot. So, um, I, I, uh, I and then and then it takes all day to make the reservations and stuff. So I, I made the re- I made the reservations, went down to uh, Jackson Jackson Hospital, was in and out in ten minutes. So you look at that, ten minutes—that's
1: all it took. So now, now which one did you get? The Pfizer shot. Or Moderna or Johnson Johnson. I did the uh, Pfizer. Um, uh, did you have any concerns at all? Um, so you were you were never afraid of taking it? You were like, I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna get the vaccine.
12: Yeah, I never had. I, I, I wasn't hesitating. My only hesitation was
1: about getting in line. <laughs> now, now let's talk about that because you're from Tuskegee, and every yeah. time we talk about folks, everybody named Mama bring up Tuskegee. Uh, they, bring, yeah. they bring up Tuskegee. Oh, no, I'm not taking nothing because of Tuskegee.
12: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm from Tuskegee. I delivered papers to some of those victims of the uh, Tuskegee Project.
1: But you didn't let that hold you back at all?
12: No. Because it just makes too much sense. Yeah, I can I can hear your producer in the back. I can hear your producer.
1: Can y'all stop talking? Tom, go ahead.
12: Yeah, uh, you you would think if anybody had some hesitation about taking this vaccine, it'd be somebody from Tuskegee. But no, it just makes it just makes too much sense. I was concerned about the uh, trial study and how uh, how Black folks were, you know, might have been might not have been represented. But you know, I was watching something and the Black man. Was watching. No, I did. The, I did this thing for the AMA, and uh, this doctor was on, and he said he was concerned, and and he looked into it, and he said black Black folks were real well represented in the trial study. So I said, Yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to get out the house and go somewhere. <laughs> so i man. This is, I ain't going nowhere without the vaccine. So I got vaccinated. Made my reservations. I'm going. To, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to Cabo in the in the May for the solo Music Festival with Charlie now. <laughs>
1: oh,
12: so you so you ready to get back on the road? Hell yeah! <laughs> you know me. I'm the fly jock.
1: <laughs> so uh, I take it the last year has not been uh, a happy uh, uh, year for you. Ha- having a oh, ha- no, 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 no. I'm,
12: I've been, I've been, I've been okay except for this goddamn stroke. Uh, but no, no, I've been fine, man. I'm, I'm living in, I'm living in Miami. It's the best place to be in quarantine.
1: Right, but what I'm saying is, you haven't been able to travel? Cause I mean that, No nah. Like you, you, you ain't want to sit still to sit in one place long.
12: Well, I sold the plane, so that was another thing. So you know, I sold the plane just before, just before it hit. So, you know, I didn't have a problem. So you back, to, you back, you back to flying first class? Yeah, commercial, commercial. But I haven't flown yet. But I'm getting
1: ready to. Oh, so when you go to when we go to Cowboy May, that'll be your first flight in more than a year.
12: Mm, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, well, flying is a little different. Flying is a little different now. Yeah,
12: that's what I heard, but. You know, I still haven't heard about any cases uh on any airplanes. I haven't heard one. So you're not gonna, you're not everybody's gonna... afraid everybody's afraid to fly. But I've heard about outbreaks in all in nursing homes and schools, but I have not heard a plane, an airplane and, and, and the passages and stuff being uh, an outbreak on a, on an airplane. I haven't, have you?
1: Um, not an outbreak. Uh, early on, uh, there was a doctor on NBC News who flew, who got COVID, uh, and, but he said he did the mask and everything, but he thinks he didn't cover his eyes. So I, I've flown, so one of the things that I do, uh, and all I've had more than 100 COVID segments. I've had black doctors and scientists from AMT and all kind of places, so what they say is when you fly, not just have a mask, but also be, to keep, be sure to keep your eyes covered as well.
12: Okay, well I
1: wear these cool shades. Is that enough? <laughs> uh, you might. I don't. You you. You might need some side brackets or something. But uh, yeah, that 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 might help. I got I, I got that. I got some cool shades and side brackets. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, I I wear some goggles because i like I ain't trying to play with COVID. I ain't. I, my my next door neighbor was like, oh my whole family had. It. I'm like, you white. I said I ain't chancing that.
12: Hey, end of May is when I'm going to Cabo, and Biden said he's gonna have he's gonna have most of the country already vaccinated end of May, so I'm ready.
1: Um, I got so folks are asked folks folks are asking a lot of different stuff. Uh, you said earlier, uh, you had the stroke, so your your health is good. Um, uh, you fully recovered from that?
12: I'm not fully, but I'm getting there. I'll be ready for the cruise. So there will be a cruise. Yep, we set we're we set and, and booking and rebooking now for November six.
1: November six. All right. Well, uh, yeah. obviously talent is always a big part of that. So, uh, who's gonna be on the cruise? Uh,
12: we we got we got the same talent. Uh, we got the same talent that we were gonna have before we were shut down. So everybody re-signed. It's like sixty. You know how we do it. I think we got Usher, uh, Frankie. Who else we got, Good. Well, Roland Martin, me and Huggy Lowdown are definitely going to
6: be on
12: the cruise. That's right,
1: Roland. <laughs> oh, well, hell, we damn sure not going to y'all two going to be there. Because <laughs> we've been vaccinated. <laughs> of course we have, Roland. Because we know y'all two COVID carriers. <laughs> no,
9: no,
12: no, uh, Roland. I have been vaccinated. I took the Pfizer on my Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Miami with Tom Joyner. What? Oh, Say what you want, Roland. <laughs> We're living that life. <laughs> We're working. We're working. You need anything <laughs> else to drink, Mr. Joyner? <laughs> what? <Well>, I- <laughs> got the Pfizer ready, Mr. Joyner. We got we got like the Pfizer on
1: his Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out how in the hell three of y'all there, and I took Huggy and Chris through a damn technical class on how to do uh, Skypes and Zooms and so I don't understand why they didn't have a tripod and everything so we, so the shot can be steady but you know they do struggle Hell, Chris even called me to help his preacher hey you
12: know I got Rachel here helping me <laughs> helping
1: so uh Tom folks are co- comment first of all let me just here my panels here so let me let me have at one of you to ask you a question uh Monique you got a question for Tom joiner no just hey Tom Joyner. hey Good to see you all right love you Tom that's
2: monique Preston.
12: hey yeah you <laughs> in a long time
1: Oh, <laughs> <I can't ask. laughs> All right, y'all, that's that's of course I didn't call me. your client's name, I just asked. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right, Monique. <laughs> uh Scott Boulder, question for Tom Jordan. Hey,
5: Tom, just wishing you the best with your health. I grew up in Joliet, Illinois and started out with you when you were you were at, uh, in, in Chicago before
1: you became the fly jock. And I was yeah. there when you were, when you became the fly jock. So, yeah, a big fan, long time. And I just wish you all the best health-wise,
4: brother. Thanks, man. Tom, here, try for the last cap, but we live on the show. Uh, Robert, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert, go ahead. Well, interesting enough, Tom joins that you, my commencement speaker, when I graduated at Clark, Atlanta. So it is an honor to be on with you. Uh, given the current
12: what is the beverage package on the cruise and, uh, um, and when do we start making the The beverage package? Uh, you mean the one where you meet me at the bar and do shots?
4: Yeah, yeah, like can we do like the all-inclusive like, or do have to pay out the part because I feel like we're going to be uh, uh, fully hydrated this entire trip.
12: Hey, just meet me at the bar. I'll pay for the shots.
4: All right, I'm well, holding you to that one.
12: Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
1: money, plus he ain't going to buy shots for me because I don't drink. So, you know, that that, that that's, that's real easy. I'll take that cranberry juice all day. Uh, Tom, I, folks, uh, uh, comment on Facebook and YouTube. So, uh, the, the biggest question they're asking is do you miss
12: the radio? I don't miss getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Hell no. <laughs>
1: Chucking bricks. Sucking bricks. Well, uh, well, it's good that uh, again. Now, first of all, you have you taken one of the shots, or you took you took both of yours? I got the next one coming up next week. The second one coming up next week. Gotcha. All right then. Uh, well, look. Good luck with that. Uh, glad you can what join. Part are you. You taking your? Uh, I have not. I'm on the list. Uh, I'm. i You and I are not in the same age bracket. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a little lower than you. Uh, my. <laughs> My parents are 73. They they got their shots. Uh,
12: well, here's what I don't understand. How come they don't just, it's the process that's, that's, that's all messed up. But you got to
1: remember, Trump screwed it all
12: up. That's the problem. <laughs> how, how come they just can't make it simple? You just, if you want the shot, go get the shot, and and they're open 24 hours. Right. How come they can't do that?
1: Because, no, they, no, they could have done that, but the problem is Trump, was is stupid and all his people were stupid they didn't set up a real federal plan and so it was sort of like states do whatever y'all want to do we don't you like well, like we don't care and so they were not taking care of it what you just described i remember remember and a whole big old news conference oh they were gonna have testing and walmart parking lot and and walgreens and cvs all oh, that never happened and so you're right you should have had a system where that's right you were giving COVID back COVID shot 24 hours a day uh in grocery stores and and, and i mean that, it should have been a real plan but there was an idiot who was in the white House who didn't give a damn about everybody else that's what happened okay so why they can't change that i mean it's,
12: i don't understand I, I, I know i know trump didn't have it all set up but god damn these hours a day so you get everybody all all vaccinated
1: well that's what they that's what they're working on uh they're trying to do right now but again trying to figure out uh how to coordinate all of that uh was was one of the issues but you're right uh and you know they're they're playing from behind but again the fact that
12: if you can coordinate to do shots till eight o'clock at night you can you can do you can do shots 24 hours if you want to
1: no i agree
12: all registration and stuff
1: Shots that wanted. I agree. I agree 100%. All right, sir. That's it for us. I appreciate it. All right, Roland. Y'all enjoy Miami. All
12: right. Uh, come see me when you get when you get to Miami. Uh, all right then. We'll do. Y'all, the time joiner. Uh, there uh
1: in Miami. Uh, gotta go to a break when we come back. Desmond Meade, the brother who led the uh, amendment for in Florida. Uh, went before the Florida parole board to try to. Parton will explain exactly what happened. Next of all about Are
6: you geolocating people through the FBI based on where they were on January 6th?
12: He asked you about the geolocation and metadata aspects and gathering uh, related to gathering of metadata that is related to
11: investigation of January sixth riot. Tell me tell me the tell me what you know about this. So, so it was is the FBI accessing Cell phone tower metadata
6: from telecommunications companies.
3: Shortly after 2 p.m.,
6: as the siege was fully underway, he described it, the phone rang, it was Donald
12: Trump. I hope you can understand uh, my concern. sure you can appreciate my concern here.
1: Desmond Meade, the brother who led Amendment 4, uh, which uh, restored the voting rights of up to 1 million, 1.4 million people, uh, went back before uh, the board today. The governor sits on that board in order to get uh, a uh, to get a, a pardon. Well, that didn't uh, happen. He joins us right now. Uh, uh, so in a, in a second, we're going to be joined by uh, Desmond uh, to talk about that. Uh, of course, uh, he uh, out there on the line, activists, uh, fighting, uh, uh, leading. Uh, we, we, of course, worked with him, spent time working with him. Uh, but Governor DeS- Ron DeSantis, again, blocking a pardon for the leader of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. Uh, he went before the Clemency Board. Uh, and what happened, first of all, DeSantis and the Clemency Board removed the minimum five-year waiting period for fellows to apply to have those civil rights restored. The governor refused to issue me the pardon honorable discharge from the military now what's so stupid about this y'all is like the last time this came up where they literally said that he needed to go back to his go back to the military to get some kind of answer i don't know what the hell Jasmine Mead don't join us right now so Jasmine, okay what the hell was the reason this time
13: <laughs> hey roland first of all thank you so much for having me on um you know at the end of the day what it really is i'm just a casualty of some infighting that's going on in uh, on the clemency board between the governor and our secretary of agriculture, and the excuse this time is uh, that I had a court martial uh, back in 1990, uh, 90, I believe. You know, and and I know that's just pretense because clemency is not about what you did; it's more about what you've done after you have uh, 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 served your time, after you have. and demonstrating that you're so-called, quote-unquote, rehabilitated. And so I think I've more than uh, uh, proven that. uh, But for some reason, this governor uh, insists on uh, just digging, going back and digging up old things, and rich is really irrelevant at this moment.
1: And see, and here's the thing here. Okay, so you talked openly about um, your previous issues, uh, going to jail drugs, all those different things. When you went, my book. <laughs> right. I mean, talk about it. When you went to jail in Florida, right, it had nothing to do with the court-martial. Nothing. So, so let's just get, so, <laughs> the reason you went to jail in Florida had nothing to do with the court-martial.
13: How long ago were you in? When? He's talking about almost thirty years, if not more. You, you released you thirty. Years, you were you, you were released when? In nineteen ninety
1: three. You released in nineteen ninety three, and here we are. 1990- and since nineteen ninety three, uh, led a clean life, went to law school, did all these things, and he's still trying to go back to the nineties.
13: Yeah so let me let me just be clear. In 1993 I was released but you know my mother passed away a couple of years later and I really dove into dove into uh, a drug addiction like crazy which caused me to again uh, some more trouble. So the last time that I was convicted of any offense was back in 2001. And so if, if I have if I have transformed my life since 2001 since the last episode, why are you going back several episodes before that, right, to raise an issue when clemency is supposed to be about what you've done after you've committed your last act?
1: And see, and this is and this is part of the part of the issue with this board because before we've had individuals who gone before and they tried to ask them, have they committed their life to Christ and all kind of stuff, which actually has nothing to do uh, with that because what they were Muslim or well, they didn't actually believe in God. You know, but and, and this is this is part of this problem where it's NFL, and this is one where the governor literally sits on the board. Uh so when you went before today, was he present?
13: Yes, he was. And, and and you know that's a major problem with these type of boards because when you have politicians deciding who gets the vote, who don't get the vote, and who gets pardoned and who don't get pardoned, you leave a lot of room for the politics to play a role in it. You know, my wife, let me tell you, you thought I was upset. My wife, Sheena, was with me, and she was about to go off. You know, and I'm going to tell you, one of the things that struck her was that this governor uh, gave pardons to people who didn't even bother to show up for the hearing. Mm -hmm. Didn't even bother to show up. uh, Giving pardons away left and right. But for some reason, once again, uh, he wants uh, to deny me, and now me to seek uh, a presidential pardon, you know, uh, or find a way to remove uh, that uh, military court martial off my record before he would consider it again.
1: So, so, okay, so for the folks who don't know, what does getting a pardon do for you in Florida? What is it now? Because you have your right to, you, you have your right to vote,
13: correct? I had my right to vote. What a pardon does... First of all, pardon is, is a, a form of, of forgiveness or, or absolving me of, of all the past mistakes that I've made in the past. And, and that is typically done when the person has demonstrated that they have turned their life around. The other thing that the pardon does, it removes that band that I have uh, to be able to possess or be in, in the vicinity of a firearm, right? Because when you lose your civil rights, you lose the, the right to bear arms as well and that is not uh, automatically restored. However, Martin, uh, something good did come out of uh, uh, today's hearing uh, that I believe is even much bigger than me, uh, because when we passed Amendment 4, what we did was we, we, we created a pathway for people like me to be able to have our voting rights restored, but our civil rights weren't restored. And so even though I was able to vote in my very first presidential election last November, Because my civil rights was not restored, I still can't practice law in the state of Florida because I can't apply to the Florida Bar until my civil rights have been restored. And then the big one is is that I still have a hard time finding safe and affordable housing for my wife and children because of my civil rights not being restored. And there are many homeowners associations that would not allow me to own or even rent a house until my civil rights... Have been restored, and so even though Amendment Four gave me the big daddy, uh, 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 as far as the right to vote, there still need some civil rights or the restoration of civil rights that would increase employment opportunities and housing opportunities for people with felony convictions. Well, today the governor and his cabinet did amend the clemency rules to allow for the automatic restoration of civil rights to anyone who qualifies under amendment four and so now people are not just only having their voting rights because of amendment four now they can have all of their civil rights and have a better opportunity to really truly uh experience the american dream well uh and that the
1: fact that you let amendment four getting passed President Joe Biden to issue that presidential pardon, uh,
13: which would then would provide the opportunity uh, for you to uh, to be fully free. Well, I hope so too. You know, after seeing all these different pardons that were thrown around last year, you know, huh, I I think that uh, looking at who got the pardon, I think I more than earned that opportunity. So let's see how that works out. Otherwise, regardless, though, Roland, we're going to continue here in Florida to now engage these. Turning citizens even more, get them registered to vote, because we got an election next year, uh, midterm, where the governor's up, and the rest of the Clemency Board uh, uh, officials, they're up for election, and so we're going to engage our people and get them uh, registered to vote, riled up, ready to go, uh, when November 2022
1: comes along. And well, You know, of course, let, let me know, uh, and we'll be down there with the Robo Mobile uh, with y'all to help you do it. Most definitely, man. Pre- appreciate the love. That's for me. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, folks. Um, education uh, is uh, is critically important uh, for us. Uh, it doesn't matter, of course, where we uh, where it goes. And uh, that was something that was impressed upon me by uh, my parents, which is one of the reasons why uh, I started a scholarship at my high school, Jack, Jack Gates High School, uh, in Houston, Texas. But joining me right now is Dr. Grenita Latham. Uh, Dr. Latham, how you doing? Well, hello Roland, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I am excited uh, to share with my audience this scholarship, uh, but I'm a little pissed off because you're leaving. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, But let's talk first about um, what we're doing at Jack Yates.
3: Well, I wanna thank you for establishing a scholarship to support students graduating from Jack Yates High School that are gonna pursue a degree in communications. As you know, Jack Yates is the pride of the Third War, and also the pride of the Houston community. And actually, most recently, Jack Yates was authorized to become an International Baccalaureate diploma program. And so we're really excited that you truly put your money where your mouth is. And since you kept me waiting just a little bit longer today, I'm going to need another $25,000. So
1: I'll be waiting for my check before I leave. Texas. Nice try. Hey, I was told y'all were late. That's what my staff told me. Now we're trying to sit here and squeeze out another 25,000. Hey, I'm blaming on you, because you know what, and I just want to add one of the
3: things we are talking about education. And I want to uh, shout out to the number one HBCU in this country, North Carolina A&T State University. You know I have to do it, Aggie Pride. I'm so excited. That the person that's going to lead the EPA graduated from North Carolina uh, A T. So, okay, I'm going to talk about that. Now, let's go
1: back to Jackie. Right, because you, I, you I might want to slow movie. down talk because you know it's some TSU, some Texas Southern University and Prairie View A and M folk uh, <laughs> in, in, in Houston giving you the side eye right now. <laughs> uh, they know I love them. They know I love TSU.
3: I love Prairie View, and so they know I love them and I support both of those uh, universities. But you know, I have. North Carolina
1: A&T State. I got you. I understand. I understand. I'll make it perfectly clear. I'm a Texas a graduate. I don't care. And that's the only Aggies that matter in my household. Uh, that's how we do it. Uh, and so for folks who don't, so what we're doing is this here. Uh, I'm actually doing two. I, I, I went through, through, through the School of Communications. Uh, and uh, the reason I'm not doing a, only the School of Communications, because we also, of course, we have classes that when're in the so-called regular part of Jack Hayes. I hate it when they use those particular terms. So uh, we'll, we'll have a $1,000 scholarship for an SOC student and a $1,000 for a non-SOC student.
3: Yes, and the application period is actually open now, Roland. And we'll be accepting applications from students, and we'll make a final decision at the end of April uh, prior to graduation uh, for two outstanding students at Jack Yates High
1: School. Uh, so I'm certainly excited about that. of course, my parents are both graduates. Jack Yates High School class of '67, uh, and Reginald Martin, uh, and so JY runs deep. That's why I'm wearing. I was gonna wear this T-shirt today, but I chose to wear to rock the African colors, uh, the the, uh, the colors there, folks. If y'all see the logo, go to uh, go to the solo. Uh, y'all see the logo, of the show. Y'all do see what those colors are. Ain't no coincidence. Those are the colors of this show because everything started for me uh, there at JY. Let's get to some other business. Uh, I was not particularly happy to read that you are leaving. HISD uh, to go to uh, where?
3: I'm headed to Springfield, Missouri to serve
1: as their uh, new superintendent. And so, when do you, uh, when? because how long have you been in Houston? I've been in Houston six years and I start my new position on July 1st. Uh, how, uh, first of all, how, how have y'all, you, uh, y'all been handling uh, COVID uh, and uh, all things that come with it? Uh, a lot of other places, they're now trying to come back. Uh, with kids in the classroom. Have y'all had students in the classroom or have that now being phased in?
3: We've actually had 86,000 students attending school face-to-face since last October. And
1: then we have another
3: 120,000 so all students actually learning online. I actually want to just pause and recognize all the members of Team HIC and thank them uh, for everything that they've done this been able to feed our students. We started feeding our students and families on March the 13th last year, and we have continued to do that with our food distributions. we provided them the necessary mental health supports that they needed, but our teachers and our
1: principals and other members really stepped up, have stepped up and supported our students. Um, it is, of course, uh, it has been a whole lot of uh, drop of a lot of folks uh, with trying to get folks back into the classroom being safe. Um, and so, how have y'all been able to do that? What has been the strategy there in Houston?
3: We created a Communicable Disease Plan where we uh, assembled principals, teachers, uh, medical professionals, and central office leaders, and they developed a plan, It's it was called our Reopening Plan. And that reopening plan addresses every area of safety. Our board actually invested about $34 million to help with PPE, uh, water, everything we needed, additional cleaning, that our campuses uh, are safe and we
1: have had extra staff to help clean throughout the school day. Uh, questions uh, from my panel. First, I'll start, uh, I guess, Monique, since you're there uh, from Galveston down the street, uh, you could ask the first question of Dr.
2: work that, that you do and I, congratulations, I wish you well on your next challenge, but what has it been like uh, for the students dealing with this transition and what do you think the steps are gonna be that are necessary to make up for uh, just the, the amount of days and hours um, of, of work that
3: have been missed and focused during the past year? It's been difficult, especially for our students that are learning at home, socialization and interacting with your peers we all know it's very important and uh, you all are in communication so you know how important it is to be able to relate and connect with people and i believe that has been one of the most difficult uh experiences or challenges for our students this year as it relates to making up for learning loss we have already added additional tutoring support for our students we're adding additional days to our school calendar for the 2021-22 school year and we'll be providing extended days, extended uh, hours even on the weekends to support those students that have fallen behind. Robert,
4: uh, one thing that I think goes by the wayside in this conversation, particularly with regards to COVID um, and its effects on schools or teachers, what have been the effects on teachers morale uh, teacher retention during the course of this uh, this outbreak and what some of the steps that have been done that maybe other school districts can replicate uh, as they move towards in-person education again?
3: You know, last fall, it
4: was very difficult.
3: I'd say in August and September, mental health-wise, it was very difficult for our staff members because everyone was worried about, you know, their own well-being, coming back face-to-face, being in a building and being surrounded by other people. We tried to focus on uh different, what we call Wind Down Fridays, where it was a virtual party. We tried to provide additional um, support to our staff. We actually established a mental health hotline, not only for our families, but also for our staff members, so that they can call that that number uh, and speak with someone to receive assistance. But like I said, it's been a difficult year, and that's why every opportunity I get, I just say thank you. Thank you for people giving more of themselves than they probably physically had to give this year. And, you know, we still need to get everyone vaccinated, and we're going to keep working on that. But I am very thankful uh, to all of our staff members for their hard work this year. Scott?
5: Yeah, doctor. Uh, congratulations on your new position. Uh, I must say, that as I look around the school districts around the country, uh, what you've reported versus other jurisdictions has been very uneven, probably for a lot of reasons. I worry about the students in grade school, elementary school, and high school that we've lost because they couldn't keep up or they didn't have the software, hardware, and able to be engaged electronically or remotely. One, how do you explain the unevenness depending on the state or the you, you, municipality you're in? But two, how do we reclaim those students post COVID so that they get the full benefit of their
3: educational opportunities? Thank you for those two questions. And I'm actually gonna start in the reverse. We actually lost about 11,000 students this year as yeah. a result of COVID, the yeah. students that did not return. But I wanna address the devices. I, I'm very proud that we actually distributed over 145,000 devices. So every child and parent that requested a device received it, even children, that where there are several children in one home, every child received their own device. We actually deployed about 35,000 that was one of our top priorities to make sure all of our children could access uh, their curriculum, access their teachers, whether they were learning virtually and even when they returned face-to-face. So we didn't take the devices back. They're able to still continue
1: to use those devices at home. Good stuff, thank you. Well, uh, Doc, I hate the fact that uh, you are leaving. Um, uh, You can't speak to this, but I can. uh, Shame on our Board of Trustees for not removing that interim label. Uh, sure, you will enjoy Springfield, but you probably uh, will enjoy Houston a lot more. Uh, that is our loss. You did an amazing job there uh, taking over. Uh, a lot of people may not realize that HISD was on the brink of actually being taken over by the state uh, because of actions that had nothing to do with you, and you have led the uh, district back uh, from the brink of a catastrophe. Uh, and that should have been rewarded by the Board of Trustees, uh, but uh, there's been far too much uh, your luck and I'm sure the principals and uh, administrators and staff they hate to see you go but certainly uh, we wish you success as you head to uh, the Shelby state thank you appreciate it all right thank you so very much I agree La and of course the uh, interim superintendent Houston Independent School District thank you so very much uh, and uh, folks the winners of the scholarships uh, will once I', I might interview each one of them and uh, they'll be featured right here on roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, and um, Clear again, folks. Um, what you had take place in Houston was shameful. And what you had there was, and I can say this and I don't care, and I don't give a damn what the Houston Independent School District Board of Trustees has to say. You had Latino board members who did not want to see a black superintendent. They tried to bring in a previous superintendent. Carranza left to go to New York, tried to bring in an old superintendent, and it didn't work. They denied this system from having this opportunity. And she she earned it. They had an opportunity a few months ago to remove the interim label. Again, earned it. But to be an interim superintendent for three years is crazy. And that's because we have a dysfunctional, clueless, shameful board of trustees who doesn't know how to lead. And they've been an embarrassment. And that's why the Texas Education Agency almost took over the school district because of a dysfunction among the board of trustees and so again uh I, dr lathan she's did a great job i'm giving that commentary it has nothing to do nothing to do with her because you do not let excellent leaders leave that's not what you do and so um again good luck to uh her going to springfield missouri folks gotta go to break we'll be back and roll about the filter.
13: i believe that is movement
2: America today, the economy is not working for working people.
3: The poor and the needy are being abused. You are the victims of power, and this is the abuse of economic power. I'm 23 years old. I work three jobs, seven Seven days days a week, no days
10: off. They're paying people pennies on the dollar compared to what they profit, and it is time for this to end. Essential
2: workers showing up to work, feeding us, caring for us, delivering goods to us throughout this entire pandemic. And they've been doing it on a measly $7.25 minimum wage.
7: The highest check I ever got was nearly $291. I can't take it no more. You know, the fight for 15 is a lot more than about $15 an hour. This is about a fight for your dignity. We have got to
10: recognize that working people deserve Wages. And
2: it's long past time for this nation to go to 15 so that moms and dads don't have to choose between asthma inhalers and rent. I'm halfway homeless. The main reason that people end up in their cars is because income does not
8: match housing costs. If I could just only work one job, I could have more time with them.
12: It is time for the owners of Walmart, McDonald's, Dollar General and other large corporations to get off welfare and pay their workers If you really
2: want to tackle racial equity, you have to raise the minimum wage. We're not just
7: fighting for our families, we're fighting for yours too.
3: We need this. I'm going to fight for it
2: until
7: we get it. I'm not going to give up.
3: We just need all of us to sit up as one nation and just fight together. Families are relying on these salaries and they must be paid at a minimum $15 an hour. $15 a minimum. Anyone should be making this
7: to
5: stay out of poverty.
7: I can't take it no more doing this for not only me but for everybody we need 15 right now
1: black kindergartner, y'all, wants her son's teacher fired. But she says her son was told to stick his bare hands inside of a toilet to clean up feces. This happened at Crystal Hill Elementary School in Little Rock, Arkansas. And The Pulaski County Special School District says they're investigating the situation. The only explanation the teacher gave to the principal was that she was trying to teach the student how not to stop up the toilet. While well, the teacher is being placed on administrative leave. Family says they plan to press charges. What the hell, Honey. It's
2: child abuse. It's that, that's horrifying.
1: Robert, the That's, that's not dog. crazy. That's that's criminal. She gave criminal. Uh, another explanation
4: was, I don't really know why I did it. Uh, uh, and look, yes, just sir. To, to yeah, to, to Monique's point, that, that's beyond crazy, that it's a criminal act, that is a form of torture, that is something you would hear uh, in the gulags of Russia, that's something you would hear in Guantanamo Bay, that's something you would hear from some of the worst dictators on earth, the concept of forcing a child into a situation like that, I hope they have gotten the child therapy, and you know, we have to reevaluate. You know, I'm a big defender of good teachers, uh, teachers like this, we have to make sure that we weed out of the population, and, and give these people the sorts of psychological evaluations they need they're put in charge of raising our children. You know, children spend more time with their teachers often than they do with the parents, uh, quite frankly. So we need to ensure we're getting the best quality people around them, and not folks with clear psychological issues on these lines. I don't know what the hell uh, some of these folks uh, think Scott, uh, but that's
1: somebody I would not want in a classroom ever again. And this was a
5: little kid, too. Not that that mattered. It was any kid, but he had to be could have been more than five years old. I saw a picture in the... Uh, your team sent us and it just makes no sense so therapy terminator you know uh, monique has a really good point about child abuse uh i bet you there's a state statute that you could fit this set of facts into and you could go to the local prosecutor and see if she could be prosecuted on top of her losing her job and her her teacher's license that makes no sense but again they don't see us right so she did she sees that young black kid as an animal Not as a human being, not as someone's a child of a mother and father, she ought to be criminally prosecuted and civilly, and and from a regulatory basis, uh, everything taken from her. Just uh,
1: and just keep it moving. I I mean, that's all. I mean, it's not big debate. This, this, uh, well, no, the problem here is. You know, it's not guaranteed they're moving from the classroom. I- I'm just simply saying. There's this. no debate on what needs to happen. Oh, no, no. Honestly, well, first there of all. There cannot be a debate on that. Well, guess what? <laughs> we, we've, seen a whole, we've seen a whole lot of ignorant stuff from school districts uh, before. Uh, and so hopefully there's not going to be a lot of the whole debate. And then you don't have this. Well, I, I don't know why I did it. I mean, I, I was supposed to There's the misconduct. And then there's complete bullshit. She needs
5: to be prosecuted. She needs to lose her license. Ability to have a job, her in the school district needs to be sued because there's negligent hiring there, negligent training. I could write the lawsuit up in about a half hour.
13: Um,
1: but
5: it's it's not just therapy
2: for the one child. No. There needs to be a full investigation <coughs> regarding <coughs> any child that she's been interacted with, because nothing like this happens in a vacuum. And if it's something as as happen this right. happened, there is no telling yeah. what. Actions, statements, um, aggressions have been taken against the children in this class or in prior classes. And so that school district has
9: to do the full extent of their job,
2: as does um, the (coughs) Child Welfare Services Office and the Prosecutor's Office. Because
4: she felt (laughs)
5: comfortable doing it. That's the other thing. She felt comfortable doing it. That's what you got to investigate, as as Monique said. If it's not feces,
4: who knows what else is out there? Right. Out there, yeah, this, this the, young kid for fun. Yeah, this isn't the first time she's done something. This is the first time she's gotten caught. And frankly, I think it would be worthwhile to spend the time and the money to interview every child she's ever taught or within a reasonable range to find out exactly what has happened and how deep this goes. As I said, someone doesn't do that, something like that that demented for a first time. That is, you have to check and see if she was chopping mm-hmm. up animals in
1: her backyard, um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. checking her journal to see what kind of person this was. Yeah, that's some sick shit, man. Uh, that's some sick shit, indeed. Indeed. All right, folks. Uh, and if us we didn't play this, Ooh, we, we didn't play this here, uh, Scott. Um, you might want to calm the hell down. So, uh, everybody, now one of the re- I told y'all, uh, in terms of our scholarship here. Uh, we did. Uh, we went when I was at the School of Communications. We often did a lot of. The- uh, and so, a couple of years ago, uh, when my frat brother, uh, uh, Ted, was there, he was, he was the about a fraternity. don't hate Ted Irving, uh, they digitized, they digitized, just keep out l- uh, Scott, Scott, doing? Scott, stop talking. They digitized a whole lot of uh, the old, you yeah, know, with them old three-quarter <laughs> tapes. That was a long time. And so, this is what they discovered in the archive, just so y'all know. Brother didn't just start doing this go. late in life.
9: Here
1: we go. Don't hate. Don't hate. Y'all have the video. Landon, don't you have the video? School Communications video? Y'all don't have it? Thank you. No, they ain't got it. Oh, man, I'm so disappointed. Y'all don't? What, what, what video is that? Y'all don't have it? Okay, all right. So I'm, let me pull this up here uh, because uh, now, of course, um, of course, Scott, Ain't no video of you being a lawyer uh, uh, when you were in oh, high school. Oh, yeah, but it is. Oh, really? Oh, but it is. Really, really. I have it for
5: you for
1: the next show next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh huh. Yeah. You going try to use some c- <laughs> You gonna try to use some CGI uh, to try to go back to the show?
2: <laughs> my my debate footage goes back to second grade.
4: So. That's yeah, I I know, I've got done. some. i guess got some academic <laughs> decathlon and voice show. That's
1: my favorite section of the show right here. Are y'all done? Just y'all, y'all, are y'all done? Because uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously uh, y'all struggling right now. Uh, y'all, uh, go ahead and watch this video. Just so y'all understand, uh, a bro was not sitting here uh, just doing this stuff. Don, this was like 1980. Y'all, go to my iPad. This was like 1985. Y'all see, it was tape that we had to roll. Um, uh, so, this was from JY back in the day. Back in the day. All right. Who is that? Y'all, that's me, pimp. Who See, is that? That's, called, that's an Alpha Man right there. That's an Alpha Man. So, uh, pull up. Okay, I'm a Japanese I always think back to my previous years with FSB Alpha This was shot, I think, in
12: 1986 or 1987. So we were there, uh,
1: and then, of course, I think I'm going to be interviewed by somebody next. I told y'all, uh, y'all, this was like way before digital video, and so all y'all all y'all new people don't quite understand what this was like, uh, of course. And Scott, just so you know, I was only named the top student at my high school, School of Communications. That's why, that's why I'm, matter of fact, go ahead and turn it up because
12: I'm talking about all my wards. Uh, you ain't never had this experience, <laughs> Scott. That's very important.
5: I think that should be very important to any type of job. Roland, well, what does television production offer to you as a class?
12: Uh, television production offered a challenge for me.
5: That was the main reason
12: why I came here. Uh, I thought three other fields. I thought this would be the most challenging field because,
7: first of all, in a field like this, like in journalism,
10: you always have a deadline, And a deadline is very important. All right. Um, you've had a pretty pop, prosperous high school career so far. Right here, um, you've been in outspoken out. It, I do. Leader. I'm you know, all Hold on. He's he about to name yeah. the I'm awards.
1: Listen. Listen. Award, like my band awards, my service awards, uh, statistics in uh, English,
5: <coughs> and also my uh, baseball awards. So the ones uh, I really like best, so are basically
1: my communication awards. Uh, I will gladly trade in. I was graduating in all of my other certificates for my uh, television awards, or even my just made school communication awards, because those are the main reason why I came here. All the others, you know, they're good, but they're you know not actually what I came in for. All right, that's what I'm saying, all Scott. Right. So Scott Bold. All right. So Scott Bowden, well, well, See, yeah. you. When you see those of us who are alpha men, <laughs> we were distinguished <laughs> before alpha as well. I mean, I know.
5: Guess I will applaud you. You, you, uh, you, got more hair back then, and Duh. obviously you Duh. a lot of stuff. What happened to all that hair, man? Duh. Guess what? I, I still got mine. What happened to all your hair? Guess thing? what? You don't have hair.
1: Second of all, uh, I got even more awards. But don't be a hater. <laughs> if y'all want to sit y'all again, that's one of the reasons why. Uh, of course, uh, I'm giving back to uh, Jack Gaze High School. All, uh, yeah, uh, all yeah, I wish you stopped stop interrupting Monique and Robert when they're trying to make their point because you act like you're in an amen corner at church. They don't need you affirming their points. Well, I just like them to know I support them except on, I'm not going to say that one issue. Send them a text then. <laughs> okay, all right. Send them That's a fine. text. They don't need you sitting there interrupting they make it, trying to make their comment because you're trying to get more time in.
4: Did you really spread all your awards out on the table just for a high school interview? Uh, you yeah. obviously didn't understand. The
1: point of the interview was a profile, and we needed props. That's what happened <laughs> when you... know. First of all, you had a crooked-ass backdrop last week. So you should the talk camera about- was crooked. You shouldn't say, the camera was not crooked. You had a crooked-ass backdrop. If Look, I had, uh, uh, if Robert, don't make me pull the video from last let week, Robert. See how humble you were even in high school. That your, your ego hadn't got ahead of you
4: yet. That you were humble enough exactly. to do all your things and put them on a tape. Hold on, hold no, 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 Robert. Let me help I mean, you out. Robert, high school Robert let me day. help you out. That's going to be on next week.
1: Robert, let me help you out. That wasn't all my school of communication awards, sir. I can get four. That wasn't all of them. Well, I, oh, I, I, on. I only had one on I had uh, ten Boy, you don't uh, want none of this You don't want none uh, of this See, y'all don't want none he, of this He's publicizing
5: his high school awards Think about that He is a business oh. leader, a press leader A great writer, a gifted host But he's promoting his high
1: school awards right now no, I'm What does that matter no. about Roland Art? I'm stating facts I'm stating history And that is this here when I graduated, I want to, I want to show you all my gradua- I, 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 when you graduated, When I graduated, Scott, Scott, when I graduated, the <laughs> teachers voted the best student, there in their four years there.
0: I'm oh sorry, God. I
1: got it. My bad, my bad. you oh And Robert, that wasn't in the video. All right, y'all, we got to go. Y'all was, like, don't be a hater. All of, but I do, I do have that award next to those four University Image Awards. How many you guys got it? Uh, I thought so. All right, play. y'all. Y'all want to support Rolling Unfiltered? Here. Please do so by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, you can support us by going to Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered, uh, and Zale, rolling at Martin.com. You can send a money order to 16, uh, excuse me, uh, to uh, New Vision Media, 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2000. and... Six. All right, folks, uh, that is it for us. Uh, we hope y'all uh, uh, enjoy uh, today's commentary from Robert and Monique, and you tolerated Scott, as we always do on Wednesdays. Uh, but uh, that's how I it. got a fan club.
5: You just watch. You ain't paying attention.
1: No, you don't. Okay, maybe not yet, but I'm going to have one. No, you don't. Hey, if I give you $1,000, no,
5: no. will you mention me on the air? If, if I get a fan club $1,000, will
1: you mention me on the air? You Still owe us the other nine thousand from last year when you lost the bet. Get over that.
5: But if no. I give you a
1: frame, you gotta say
5: something
1: good about me on the
5: air. Say one positive
1: thing, and I'll give you a thousand dollars. Yes, your wife but is fine. What that one positive thing, be? Your wife is cute and fine and smart. That's the most positive thing you're gonna get.
4: <laughs>
1: anything I say good for you. I'm gonna be by... I'm anything, done. anything I good done. say say usually about Erica. That's it. That's the best. <laughs> that's the best decision you ever made. Best one she ever made as well. Um, not quite sure about that. alright y'all, I-, I will see you tomorrow right here on Roller on the Field.